Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. And I'm Pete Wright, also from The Next Reel. We are, of course, back talking about Jon Favreau's 2008 film, Iron Man. And back for us one last time is Heidi Bennett from the Vibrant Visionaries podcast. I'm still here. Still oh, here. Heidi. <laughs> Lurking. <laughs> and now I'm part of your Discord family, so I'll really be lurking. That's right. It's very exciting. That's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Never leave. <laughs> well, today we are digging into Minute 21, which starts with Abu asking Tony to build him a Jericho missile and ends with Tony getting a lay of the land. This is, we were talking about translations last time. Um, it's, it's pretty close here. The, uh, the wonderful folks on Reddit Translator um, told me that Abu uh, says, make me a Jericho rocket that you're presenting to the people, which is pretty much what Yinsen says. Um, and then this does not get translated uh, as he brings the piece of paper, uh, which as we learn is a photo of the Jericho rocket. Uh, as he brings it over to Yinsen, he says, put your hands down, explain to him. So that's an extra little bit of Arabic that uh, that was translated that uh, we didn't have Yinsen oh, translate. So interesting. Yeah. yeah, I think it would have been better if it had been a picture of soup. <laughs> a picture <laughs> of soup, <laughs> or his recipe. Right, it's his recipe. You know, it's interesting. <laughs> Explain like, to him why you can't make this. I too. knew this was going to be a photo because I've been watching this minute over and over again, and yet my brain still replaced it with it being like blueprints to something. So interesting how the brain works. It is really funny. I absolutely understand that. And I think the same thing happened to me. I actually had to stop and freeze this minute on the picture. And as I'm looking at it, it still looks like a classic Ford. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think every time I saw it, it actually, and again, I had never freeze framed it until starting this podcast. I always thought it was a jet in the air that happened to like have the missiles like uh, under its wings, like yeah. it was armed with them. And it wasn't until I freeze framed it. looks it. kind of like an SR-71, right? Well, it's, it's like the, it's that big unit that they had on the ground that had like the three missiles. And that's, yeah. that's what it's a photo. But yeah, right. I totally thought that that's, I mean, in my head, you, you get to stare at it for such a short period of time. Uh, it just looks like a jet. Yeah, it's very cool. And, but uh, so we, we get to see now when he says, no, I'm not going to build that thing. And there is a a very quick cut to now we're getting into some little bit little bit of torture, a little bit of light torture for Tony. Well, and it's Tony's torture. <laughs> Before hour. we get into the torture, this this is that interesting thing that I brought up in the script yesterday. And I'm, I want to get both of your oh, takes okay. on this. So yesterday I read in the, from you guys the script and how Yinsen is the one who tells Tony, listen to me, whatever they ask you, refuse. You understand? You must refuse. We don't get that in the film. And what instead happens is Yinsen translates for Tony. And then Tony is the one who says, I refuse. What do you guys think of that as far as the difference between script and uh, finished film? Because Yinsen does say mostly just do what I do or something like that, right? Right. He says, do what I do. Put your arms up. Right. Put your hands up. Right. So, yeah, he's he's only influencing him, him. it appears to say like, this is the safest way to deal with these guys is what is sort of implied, right? Just follow my lead. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. 
Um, what do you think, Pete? Well, I I like it because it gives us a chance to see the steely-eyed Tony. Because what we've seen so far is Tony the showman, Tony the you know the the fun guy to have at a party. Uh, but but here we get to see Tony who is a survivor and now he's Tony the badass and, and we kind of get a a new, another new bent on Tony uh, where he is standing up to a, obvious aggressor and threat. Well, and I think that's why I like the change that they made in the film versus the script, because it takes that decision to refuse out of Yinsen's mouth and it puts it directly into Tony's head and it's him absorbing this situation and making that decision. And just like you said, it's this is that Tony Stark. Not only is he a great scientist and all that, but he's he's a tough businessman. And I think that it makes him a much stronger character by doing that and by refusing right here. Right. That, that's where we need that that to be. That's where we need that aggression. It needs to come out of his mouth. Right. It, it, we need to see that, uh, you know, as part of his character transformation, not owned by a secondary character who whose future is as yet unknown. OK, what I'm gathering through all of this, too, is so in previous minutes before before I joined you fellas we see for a flash that that um when he is part of the ex- the explosion that happens that it's a stark bomb right, right, right. okay yes. yeah it's a but stark do, industries uh, bomb right did we don't know that he he wouldn't have seen that because he was in the car right no he or in the jeep when he or did he see it right it, he gets out of the jeep because the the everything is happening the attack is happening he jumps out or missile he, is that what right, it is he, he jumps out and hides <laughs> behind a rock and then a missile lands in the ground right next to him and he it doesn't go off right away he jumps up and tries to get away from it and then it explodes but before it explodes he sees okay along the side of it it says stark industries Okay, and then the second part of that is, I believe, in the last minute, which we didn't specifically say, is that doesn't he say, those are Stark guns, how did they get my guns, or something like that? Yeah. So as far as he knows now, so far, there's two things on the, the, the opposite side, the opposition, that are saying, these guys, for some reason, have my equipment. And now they're also asking me to build more of my equipment for them. Yeah. Right? Right. Okay. Just trying to like piece it all together. And so he so far doesn't know how or why, but he's getting all these indicators that they want his stuff. They use his stuff already for as far as he knows, they have gotten it in some nefarious back channel way. And he's standing in his... You were saying businessman, but I was thinking like his, like, I'm doing this for the United States or the all American, like, I kind of forgot how patriotic the beginning of this movie was, how, you know, stars and stripesy he was. So do you think it has to do more with him and what he does or what he represents as this is, you know, me as um, an American businessman? That's a really interesting take on it. I I don't think in watching the minutes so far that I got the perspective that Tony was explicitly patriotic rather that he was much more just sort of selfish and that he was saying the words like I never really bought that he was saying the words about, you know, that's how dad did it. That's how America does it. 
saying the word America kind of out of the side of his mouth because mm-hmm. he's a global arms manufacturer. Like, what does he care uh, whether America buys his weapons or somebody else? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I never got this as a patriotic uh, endeavor for him. But maybe I'm well, wrong. It's, it, I mean, it's never brought up explicitly in the beginning other than the fact that i mean he obviously is working with roadie who is his liaison with the military and he's here showing the military these new weapons and everything we don't know if tony has stuff elsewhere is he dealing with other people around the world under whether it's out in the open or not we don't have that sense but this minute to me makes it clear that or these last couple minutes really make it clear that he has not been doing any of that because as as you pointed out he looks at those weapons he's like those are my guns what why do these guys have my guns and he sees that missile land next to him all of this is very off-putting to him and i think that's an interesting element to throw in here i've i've never read that he's being explicitly patriotic here i just feel like he's stealing himself mentally to be kind of the tough guy now yeah well andy that that question comes back then to the comic was the comic and and i imagine having been written at a different time is the comic any more explicitly patriotic about this character Uh, i mean his character really uh was very much a part of the military i mean he wasn't like a military man or anything but very much i mean he was over there selling uh, you know i mean he was demonstrating stuff for these guys they were very much partners in in all the different things that he was always trying to make for them. And, and, you know, he would demonstrate all the little things that he was doing to the military. Um, I never got a sense that he was a shady arms dealer. Just the fact that he was always working with the U.S. military, that always came across pretty clearly. And I think what Stan Lee and company were banking on with him was the fact that he was an arms dealer while also being this this kind of crass, rich playboy, totally against what uh, everything that their comic readers at the time were interested in. And uh, then they turned him into a superhero. But uh, yeah. Well, isn't that interesting, then, that it's my cynicism? Because I don't I don't see him as like a, a, you know, dirty arms dealer. I see him as a businessman first, and he happens to be a weapons manufacturer. And that his allegiance is going to be to Stark Industries before country. And so that's what I'm mostly curious about is like, how is that how has that evolved for this character uh, over the over the you know decades that we've had this character? Because I, I don't see, you know, I see Tony as as his allegiance to himself, to his company and to uh, to the, his technology. And so I, I I think it's interesting that that is also in my head part of the tra- of his transformation that he becomes this character who's willing to give of himself for country for king and country for shield uh, you know over the long arc of of history and and I think that's that is one one of the things that makes him uh, this moment in time so interesting to me. Yeah, and I didn't like just automatically say oh how patriotic of him. I just. It just yeah right. I totally spun those words right back into your mouth. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, no, I just kind of questioned why when he when he says no, I won't make this for you. Then are you saying because it's because? I mean, what if he said 
sure, for $50 million or however, you know, whatever the price is for it. That's the question. That's exactly right. Like, which, at what point in Tony's history would he have said yes to that deal? Yeah. So I guess that's my question. And and I'd love to know, you know, what the listeners think about this. Why, you know, why does he say no? What is his motivation? I'm just curious. Yeah, it it, it opens it up uh, to make a a much more uh, rich scene to have him uh, refuse right here, I think. And uh, I, I am curious what other people, how people read that and how people read it who are familiar with the comics and people who aren't. Is there a difference? So, um, yeah, very interesting. Very interesting little bit here. So can we talk about Tony's torture hour? <laughs> uh, yes. And then then we get to do the uh, the crazy torture. So, yes. What were you going to say? Well, about because that? I learned something oh. that I had never noticed in watching this movie one minute at a time. OK. And that is as he's splashing around. So he's got the the soldiers are, you know, pushing his head, head underwater and they pull him up and he gasps and wheezes and intercut into the gasping and wheezy parts. We get two very, very, very fast cuts to the, the the magnet thing in his chest, right? Yep, the electromagnet. The electromagnet. And the first time we get, um, it's like, a, I don't know, it's just a little cutaway. We don't necessarily get, uh, 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 there's nothing like going on with it. And then the second time, uh, or, or there's a little shock to it, right? You, you feel it like, like you can feel a shock as he's, as he's dealing, as he's being electrocuted, whether it's, you know, interacting with the water or whatever. And the second time we get that cut, uh, the cutaway, it's to something else, right? Right. It's to something else that we haven't seen before. The new piece to me is that it was the torture that this is a trope, right? This is a trope that we get in uh, in these these movies where somebody gains power or ability thanks to being pushed to some new place that they have never been pushed before. And this was that experience for Tony that he gets this mix of being tortured and I will hazard a guess somehow shocked or electrocuted that the combination of all of these forces led him to a new insight uh, that he had never had before. And that is something that we get to see play out, you know, in uh, later in the film. Uh, Maybe. Do you see what does that make any sense? Yeah, it's 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 a it's a quick flash of of uh, what we uh, will later learn is is basically the mini arc reactor See, you you did it I, you did, I know. i'm trying I, to like i, I know you're to, dancing to like, you're dancing how's it in mystery and you're just out saying it i know i'm terrible i'm a terrible person it, it, it does not exist yet it doesn't it's well it's and and that is a, a great thing because it's like is this like you said is this the impetus is this what tony needed to come up with the whole design idea. Well, that's my question. Did you see this that way? Uh, because I have never, I mean, as many times as I've seen this movie, I've never actually noticed those two cutaways. I don't know if I have either, but I definitely noticed it as I was going through this. The fact that we see a glimpse of something that is not in his chest. Like, what is the thing yeah. that we're seeing here? Um, it, it's a fascinating moment to see. And something that I don't understand why it's in here is we get a very echoey uh, scream of his name from Pepper, um, hearing her say, Tony, um, when we get a shot the second time we cut to the actual electromagnet, which is the reflection in the in the little mirror. And I find that interesting that we connect the moment uh, for him 
to Pepper um, screaming his right. name in kind of uh, in shock or horror. What is that all about? Like, what business does he have seeing the future? Is there ever any sort of <laughs> uh, play with time in the comics? Should I know something here? Uh, he has time traveled. <laughs> of course, he's time traveled. Of course, he has. Of course, world he has. of the comics. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, Heidi? You know, I'll tell you. <laughs> I didn't really, and this is pretty typical for me. Like, I didn't do a slowdown of this. And it's pretty typical for me to kind of not notice when things are really quick cut that there was something, except for that that actor that's oh, yes. the the uh, foreign to hear, right? Foreign to hear, right. yeah. That that I just saw his face, you know, and then I was like, wait a minute, he he's not part of that group. And that was the only thing. He was in Star yeah. Trek. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the only thing I know. I didn't notice the the other um, stuff that shall not be named, but was already just named. Um, <laughs> because of Andy. Yeah. Let's say it out loud. Yeah. Um, I, but I recognized <laughs> his, you know, he has such a distinctive um, look, you know, that I recognized right. him. I was like, why, why, why am I seeing him? But that was as, that was as far as I went. It is. It, it's an interesting uh, uh, moment that we we do glimpse uh, Ferranta here. He's of course playing Raza. I'm not going to go into him too much because he's really just in that little flash. We'll talk about him when we we finally get his his real introduction because we've seen him before in the uh, in the scene earlier, um, right before the the title when he's he's the one who's reading the the Urdu. He's speaking in Urdu and he's, oh, okay. he's the one addressing the camera. Gotcha. But here we just get that little, uh, he, he stands behind this torture and he just is, it has such a great creepy look on his face. And that great cutaway of him is so quick. I think this is just a, a fascinating and uh, beautifully done montage that gives us a lot. And I really do like this idea that this is the moment uh, that kind of that electrical shocks or whatever it is that's giving tony the idea of what to do next yeah i love that idea and it's one of those bits of exploration that changes the way i see this movie and see this character that that his power uh that that there may be more to his power than the suit mm. that that somehow this experience gave him a, a new way to unlock a, a bit of himself mm. to see something that we don't see it's it's the ability to see the future. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, no, I okay, yeah, there's a there is a gag in there and I missed it. But look, the, the thing that I, I, I feel like is so important to me about this sequence and why I'm kind of hanging on to it is because uh, I've always had this challenge. As much as I love Iron Man, the character, I've always had this challenge that it could be anyone in the suit. Right. It, any any, you know, Tom, Dick or Harry off the street could jump in the suit. And if the suit's smart enough, it, it could it, it could be great. Why Tony? And this sequence for me, I almost feel like it it's so subtle that that they didn't lean in hard enough to it. This sequence attempts to answer for me. Why Tony? Why is it important that Tony's the guy in the suit? And I love having that, uh, the, at least an attempt to answer that question. It's nice uh, that it's here. And I love uh, the fact that it's done in this little flashy montage. And it's it's so subtle, but I think it ends up working really nicely. 
Yeah. Um, some other people that we end you don't up. Seem, let me just say, you don't seem nearly as excited about it as I am. <laughs> and so I just, you can't fake it. You just can't you, fake you, you it. You can't fake it. Yeah. No, no, no. You, you just don't seem nearly as excited about this new discovery that I am. And I, I'm going to need you to, to amp it up a little bit. That is the best <laughs> thing I've heard on this show yet. There 21 you go. episodes. There you go. That was what I needed. Andy, Thank you. It's, that's an awakening <laughs> that we just experienced. Clearly, it was. Clearly. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, in the torture in the torture scene um and then uh following it we do see a few other people um uh we have i it, it's so hard to tell who these people are um but i believe some of the faces that we see we see john braver and it's either ben bray or brian simpson i have a hard time telling which both of these guys are other guards and what's interesting and i think this is something that speaks to um, how people end up getting these roles when it's for an action film. They're both credited, actually all three are credited as utility stunts players. Mm. And huh. I think that's what ends up happening is, is you know, they need stunt people because they know they're going to be having a big battle scene at some point. So let's bring the stunt guys in. They can play these bit parts. And then when we blow everything up at some point, they're going to be the ones that are on all the rigs and and getting blown up and whatnot. So I think that's pretty cool. I do too. I am so enthusiastic about that note, Andy. I'm <laughs> dude, coming out of my skin. Dude, uh, that is I love stunt people. I mean, really, I'm not being, I'm not doing a bit like Pete. No, <laughs> stunt people I just are can't the tell best. Anymore. <laughs> like in 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 uh, there weren't really much to do about you know stunt people in. Uh, you know, Spinal Tap, but The Cabin in the Woods. Um, oh, yeah. There's yeah, some wonderful, stunts. and there, I mean, there are people who are uh, playing really juicy roles because the people who play the zombie characters, uh, you know, those are big, meaty roles, but but uh, most of them are stunt professional, uh, you know, stunt folk, men and women and uh it's really fun to to watch them, and then have followed several of them on, uh, you know, on Twitter and Instagram now, and and just wonderful people that are very adventurous and exciting to follow along on social media. <laughs> oh, definitely, so cool, John Braver. Uh, it looks like he's the one who's doing the the dunking on the right. Um, he his four IMDb uh, top credits are Iron Man, The Kingdom. The Dark Knight Rises and Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Um, oh, lots of stunt work though. He's very much a, yes. a stunt guy. Was he? Was he the ant guy? <laughs> I don't know. That's <laughs> that is an interesting question, and I I don't have the answer to that. But uh, yes, mm. I don't know if he's one who is uh, devoured by the ants. <laughs> oh, a horrible, horrible thing. Feels like be. something no, I'd like he, to know. He was credited or uncredited, but he was the staff car driver. So there you go. Oh, okay. So, so no ants. Although it could have been a driver. I now that I Tr- now that I, said it, I don't. It was all during the driving scene. So yeah. Uh, the other the other person uh, I, again, I couldn't tell which one it was, but if it's Ben Bray. His four uh, top IMDb credits are Star Trek, the 2009 uh, revisioning, Iron Man, The Gray, fantastic film, and Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, all for wow. uh, stunt work. It's like both of these guys. They have three great movies and then the other one. <laughs> Isn't that what the IMDb thing does, though, right? It's, it yeah. always does that. The last of the potential guys is Brian Simpson, and his four are Ant-Man, 
interestingly, the most recent Ghostbusters film, which now I are they crediting it this way now? Ghostbusters answer the call. Like, is that how what? that's what IMDb credits it as Ghostbusters answer the call? Weird. I didn't realize that's- that. That's weird. Um, that sounds like a short. It's right, exactly. Uh, the other two are Triple X: Return of Xander Cage, and interestingly, Predator, the original Predator, all the way back in '87. Oh wow! Yeah, so, <laughs> so there you go. Uh, those are our stunt guys, and of course, this is the moment we go from our cave set, which was uh, built on the on the studio and refrigerated to keep it nice and chilly for them, to the cave exterior. And this exterior, of course, was filmed back out by the by the Lone Pines area. Um, this is uh, the cave exterior was shot east of the dry Owens Lake. And uh, it's along the Cerro Gordo Road, uh, somewhere between CA-136 in the town of Keeler and the Cerro Gordo Ghost Town. And this was a very popular uh, filming location back in the day in the old uh when all the old westerns were getting shot and everything huh. ghost town yeah i don't hear much about those anymore what's funny is i was reading about that ghost town and somebody bought it and they were trying to like i i can't remember it was this huge story weirdly about this buying this ghost town and mining in there and stuff and uh trying to bring back its popularity and it sounded like it failed because it was up for uh for sale again if you're interested in <laughs> buying it the, really yep that feels like an investment that's worth considering. Let's do it. Sure. Could really do something with that. <laughs> I have a friend. I have a several friends actually who have investigated and gone and stayed in various ghost towns. You know, and and, and sort of done. I guess you don't call it urban exploring, but done ghost towning exploring. And one of my friends. He actually even published a zine that was about him um, exploring these ghost towns. And the whole zine was just about ghost towns. That's awesome. I feel like there's a future for us. Like we we could, it's a whole podcast, <laughs> ghosty podcast thing. We have a, I'm, I'm telling you, Andy, I'm, I'm checking out Zillow. <laughs> I'm into it. I'm all of a sudden worried about where this is going. <laughs> what what can of worms have I just opened up? Holy Once again, cow. it's all your fault. Uh, yes, yes. As I'm, <laughs> as I'm learning more and more with every episode. Oh, uh, any anything else from this minute, you guys? Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. Not for me. Not for me. Um. Are yeah. you sure? <laughs> I'm just looking at it and yeah, I'm still getting this. I just, I don't know if it's because I just watched Mary Shelley, that movie, but I'm getting a Frankenstein. I keep like the, the running, the water, the, I don't know. I don't know. There's, I keep getting back to this Frankenstein's monster thing, which I don't know why, but. I, I love that. That's the direction that you're going though. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the chaos and the darkness and the him looking at himself in the mirror and the water. I don't know why the water, not, you know, not, I don't remember Frankenstein's monster being, you know, <laughs> dunked in a, the worst <laughs> apple bobbing situation ever. But, but something about all this chaos gives me a, a yeah, anyways. It is like a birthing, right? It, it, you know, the kind of the the coming out of the water and having the idea from that. So it's it is kind of an mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. element. Uh, so 
something to uh, something to definitely consider. Well, and we get the same kind of rebirth through light, right? The second he comes out of the cave and we have that bright, bright mm-hmm. light as they remove the bag from his head. That that too is another kind of symbol from out of the darkness into the light. Oh, and by the way, Abu actually says, uh, take that thing off his head. There's a little more more translation oh. for you. There's a little oh, bit of your okay. Reddit translation. Right, right. Way to go. See. That was totally worth it. It was worth it. I'm glad it I was. did it. <laughs> <laughs> See, you can't trust anybody anymore, Andy. I was being honest. You thought I was being sarcastic. I'm in your corner, man. I'm really in your corner. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, we didn't bring this up when we were looking at the photo earlier, but I, I kept, I was asking myself, where did they get this photo? It's like a, it's a solid photo. It's like they're close up next to it. Is this a photo they stole? Did somebody give them this photo? Did they buy it from somebody? Did they find it on the internet? Where, where did it come from? I was just, I was so impressed. They had such a high quality picture. It's not even like a distant photo of it through like a telephoto lens. It's like, hey, we're standing right next to this Jericho missile. Look at this photo of it. Yeah, totally. Like, it's like <laughs> they were right there. It, I would have been, I, I wouldn't have been any more surprised had it actually been a picture of Tony that afternoon <laughs> standing next to the Jericho <laughs> missile. Well, Heidi, as, uh, as we like to do when we're, uh, Bidding adieu to our guests, we like to uh, talk to them about their favorite uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe films. I know it's a huge list, so we aren't having everybody go through all of them and rank them or anything like that. But we definitely want to know what are uh, what are your faves of the uh, the twenty films that have been released so far. The number one for me is, and you know, I hope in fifty years you'll have me back to talk about this. <laughs> whenever it'll be, is, that, that is Black Panther. I absolutely loved that movie and could talk about it for hours. Um, uh, there's a lot of, I live in Oakland, California, so there's some some real deep Oakland pride. Um, the director also went to college in Sacramento, and I also lived in Sacramento, so I, f- I feel a real affinity you know, there. But I think from the music to the family relationships to the um, the complicated um, right or wrong and good guy, bad guy stuff there. I mean, uh, the costuming, the strong, powerful women, the holding our technology and culture tight versus the compassion of sharing it with the world and 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 trusting that that's the best way to go to me is the message for all time so uh, the humor the fact that i think it was also kind of a james bond movie at certain points i mean i could go on forever so black panther is at the top <laughs> for me um but i loved thor ragnarok and Generally liked the Thor movies, like the second one. I don't even barely remember it, but I always like the thread of humor going through those and really enjoyed the first Guardians of the Galaxy a ton. And actually, yeah, I mean, there's a ton of others that I enjoyed, but those are kind of, I guess, my tippity tops. Those are definitely good ones to put way up there at the top of the list. Gonna gonna be a while before we have you back. Oh though. my gosh! You, you okay, know, well, I really liked Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> I loved. I, I really enjoyed the Captain America ones as well. You know, but yeah, the, those ones are kind of those are my super top ones. And what I was gonna mention, I have you know no promises here, but 
I mentioned a couple minutes back, a couple episodes back that I had gone to the Fantastic Fest and I briefly met and chatted with Nicole Perlman, who is a co-writer for Guardians of the Galaxy and also Captain Marvel. So I talked with her briefly. I have the contact information for her representation and I have emailed with them. So I'm hoping that maybe I can get a a chat with her in the future. So no promises, but I'll I'll let you know if that, if that comes to fruition, because I'd certainly love to talk with her and, and uh, just. She's, she is just wonderful. We've, we've talked about her a little bit when we actually uh, uh, talked about Guardians of the Galaxy, but um, she's one of those screenwriters that just absolutely has her finger on the pulse of properties that, we grew up with right i mean if you look at not just what she's done mm-hmm. guardians of the galaxy and raising ruckus but and captain marvel but like what she has in production and the treatments that she's written for pokemon detective pikachu mm. uh black widow she did the treatment for black widow who knows if she'll get that knights of the magical light visionaries knights of the magic light and here mask mobile mobile armored strike command <laughs> just oh, yeah. lights me up uh n- not only that i mean I, you know what what has been announced uh is that she's behind um labyrinth the the remake of of labyrinth and she oh, wrote cool. the, the um yeah. screenplay with uh for that with uh, jay basu so uh, she's she's amazing that would be quite a cool i'll do what i can guys i'll really do what i can and then just another thing in the marvel world too is that because of my husband i have gained a a ability to be more patient of things turning into something i might enjoy and as an example i thought the first season of marvel's agents of shield was rather snore worthy and i stuck <laughs> around and then it became one of my favorite shows ever so uh good wow. for you i'm so glad to hear that yeah i totally agree pete was happy to hear that i finally started watching it i never got into the idea of watching that show until after some of the netflix marvel shows came out and then i was like you know i should uh, i should give that one a try and so i'm, I'm still in the middle of the first season uh, like you said it's a little bit of a slog um, but i'm still enjoying it it's something that i will continue pushing through as we continue uh, working on this show uh, you know I, i've got plenty of years <laughs> well you will be richly richly rewarded i promise you <laughs> well i'm looking forward to that i hear it gets a little crazy in a few uh, like i think around season six or so when they're like in space or something i don't know oh yeah they go to a lot of crazy places but <laughs> yeah i mean talk about an ensemble cast with a huge variety of people of color and you know women and all sorts of you know different folks i mean it just it's so many so many strong and richly written characters. And this is, I'm somebody who doesn't, uh, the comics that I read were in the 90s alternative comic scene. So I I wasn't a person who was getting into these comics. So I'm I'm meeting all these characters for the first time uh, visually. And um, yeah, I, I just love it. Absolutely love them. And, and I love the fact, you know, that, that the, Agent Coulson, you know, came out of, oh my God, you know, everybody loved and responded to this guy so much in the movies, we cannot have him die. (laughs) In fact, we're going to do a whole series around it. I also loved, um, 
um, Agent Carter, Marvel's Agent Carter. It was disappointing. Yeah, that, it was. Yeah, yeah. that's that's one I uh, another one I'm looking forward to watching because I really did enjoy her character. So there, there's my there's my Marvel two cents. Well, that's fantastic, Heidi. Thank you so much for joining us on these episodes. I had such a great time chatting with you. You are just an absolute delight. Oh, thanks. I feel the same. And I look forward to chatting with you guys again and uh, in real life somewhere out there at our, our ghost town <laughs> <laughs> enclave <laughs> and online as well. I, I, I sent you guys the link, by the way, uh, so you guys could check it out. Cool. Yeah, I'm going to start making You could plans. buy this surprisingly cheap California ghost town. <laughs> <laughs> Worth every penny. Oh, yes. Uh, well, Heidi, um, again, uh, where should people find you? So you can find me at VibrantVisionaries.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram at VibrantVisionaries. On Twitter, it's VibrantVizCast. And for my coaching and anything else, you can find me at HeidiBennett.com. H-E-I-D-I-B-E-N-N-E-T-T. And uh, yeah, and then, of course, if anybody wants to check out whatever other Movies by Minutes podcasts are out there, they can go to moviesbyminutes.com. I always like to remind people they can check that out. And if they're loving this and want to go see what else is, is there. Great tip. My goodness, there is a plethora. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, that is it, everybody, for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. If you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, why don't you become a patron over at patreon.com slash The Next Reel. Thanks, everybody. Until next time, true believers. True believers.